welcome again to another evening. As always, I'm Danny. You can find me on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books. Um, and this is like the most insane episode for me to get to announce and say that I'm doing. I'm also going to apologise because I'm recording in my kitchen because my son is sick. My dog is chomping his food so unbelievably loud. So you're getting some nice ASMR in the background, uh, a bit of mukbang, courtesy of my dog. Um, but this episode is literally with one of my favourite autobi authors. Um, her book, The Silent Companions, scared the ever-loving shit out of me. Um, I adored it. I only read it in the daytime because I was a wimp. And then after that, I flew through the corset, Bone China, The Shape of Darkness, and her newest book, The Whispering Muse, is out very, very soon. It is, of course, Laura Purcell. I cannot believe that I'm getting to chat with her, that she's joining me on this podcast, uh, and she's going to chat with me all about her novel evening. So yeah, check it out. A huge hello to Laura. Hi. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I am so, so excited to have you on here. You've been like one of my dream guests. Oh, that's so that. You were like top. And actually, when I did a little thing on Instagram, like, who do people want to hear me chat to? You yeah. were up there as like. Really? Oh, how lovely to yeah. hear. Thank you. So oh, so you've excited. made me hugely conceited now. <laughs> yeah, but also you've just been on holiday. So, you know, you're back and I'd say refreshed, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been an, an interesting holiday, but I've definitely had a change of scene and yes. uh, ready to get back to writing. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So writing books. I'm just going to go straight in here and say to you that The Silent Companions was maybe the most terrifying book I've ever read. Hooray! <laughs> and I read it in like July, exclusively in the daytime, mostly sat outside so I wouldn't have any walls. Yeah. It, and I've lent it to so many people now, like, read this, it's terrifying. And it truly is. It's so scary. So straight off the bat, it's the scariest book I've ever read. <laughs> Well, I'm so pleased to hear that because um, I sort of set out to write a scary book and it was kind of a challenge to myself whether I could do it. Um, and I was reading loads of ghost stories at the time and I noticed a lot of them were creepy, but very few of them actually scared me. Um, and my my goal with writing that was kind of to write something that scared me as much as the woman in black had. Um, yes, that's yes it's got those vibes I'd been terrified by that by like every incarnation of that story the book the stage play which I think I still need therapy for and um the film uh the tv series you know I know the story now but every time it scares me and it really gets into my imagination um and I just remember being so freaked out by that image of sort of the empty rocking chair yeah. um and the noises it made as a you know as the marshes swallowed the carriage in that and I just wanted to write something that that gave somebody that feeling um and it, it was so wonderful to me that I actually got a quote for the silent companions from Susan Hill who wrote the woman wow. in black that was uh, that was the crowning achievement it was like right I have set out what I wanted to do <laughs> that's full circle isn't it and I've yes. seen the woman in black the stage play it is absolutely terrifying I would not see a stage play of the silent companions that I would not enjoy I think I've always had a thing about paintings and I think this is common for a lot of people it's the okay. idea of these very human-esque images that you know you have a feeling of watching you or you turn your back and they're moving and you brought that to life 
in such a way. Where did the idea for these silent companions, because they do exist, don't they? They exist. I mean, that's the thing. I've had the same thing as you because I've always been a history lover. And um, obviously, as a history lover, you, you go to museums, you see portraits. And early portraiture is just creepy to yes. us because, you know, the art was still developing and things are out of proportion. They have that uncanny effect to us where they look kind of lifelike, but not not right yeah. somehow. Yeah, something's off with them. That's yeah. it. That's it. And that's how you end up getting um, I follow a Twitter account that uh, tweets pictures of like babies um, in portraiture that look really... <laughs> really creepy like you know beefy or just really strange um so I'd, I'd always had that unsettled feeling as well um but a friend went round a uh, a national trust house and um sent me pictures of silent companions because she knew I was interested in history and thought I might know what they were um so she was asking me questions about them and I was like no I don't know what they are but they're terrifying <laughs> I want to <laughs> that's it so we looked into it together and it turned out it was a bit of a mystery they mainly think um these silent companions are sort of they're sort of standing boards yeah. um, painted to look like people cut out kind of like a historic version of our cardboard cutouts that yeah. you find standing in shops to promote things um the main idea they've come up with is that they were fire screens to protect people oh. from from fires and ruining their complexion yeah. um but you know there's also a few ideas that they were a sort of party trick to um you know trick of the eye for entertainment yeah. um to make your house look like it was full when you you were out okay. <laughs> but like home yeah. alone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was immediately where my brain went oh, like yes, home alone exactly. um, <laughs> Yeah, and some people thought they were for companionship so there's yeah there's this element of uncertainty about them as well as in what exactly were they for you know there's lots of theories but no definitive answer um and I, I was sort of saying to my husband that I wanted to sort of feature them in one of my stories um and he's a big horror fan um as am I but he he was even more up there than me and he said oh someone needs to write a really spooky story about these you know the whole book about them it would be great um and so kind of on a, a bit of a dare really I I did it <laughs> oh I love that and it, there is it's so terrifying and I think it is that idea of what you what you can't see happening when things are happening yeah. that you can't see and I'd say like your love for horror really comes across in it it's really okay. evocative of those kind of the, the really old school horror films mm. it's really got that vibe which I love you can definitely see your love for things like the woman in black it's yeah. <laughs> and even taking it through to like you know the corset and bone china I mean less I'd say less terrifying but still mm. very unsettling and still centered on kind of inanimate objects and <laughs> there's a theme in your work <laughs> well something I sort of realized when I was I was thinking about horror and what scares us is how things that scare me most are stories that take sort of an everyday thing that's meant to be comforting or or normal and make it scary um so I was thinking about things like psycho and the you know the shower scene a shower is made scary and equally a bathtub in the the Harrison Ford film and what lies beneath yes yeah 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 and, you know, the woman in black takes a nursery and just all things that are meant to be nice things and everyday and comforting and makes them scary. 
And I realized that, you know, that's how you get something to linger in someone's imagination. Um, Cause you know, when you're in a hotel room now on your own and you're taking a shower, the thought always crosses your yeah, head. Yeah. Well, if you're home at night and the phone rings, you're like, yes. yeah, you start to think about scream. <laughs> yes. It's all those all everyday things. So um, I, I started trying to use that in my novels and I'd always had a particular interest in objects anyway, I think from my love of museums. You know, one of my favourite things is to see something from a time period and look at it and just think, wow, you know, I wonder who owned that. I, I try and picture them using it and what it meant to them in their everyday life. Um, and, you know, I was in Roman baths in um, in Bath. Yeah. And I was looking at sort of hairbrushes that existed in the Roman times. And I just thought, wow, this is so old. You know, it was so wonderful to me that I could see this object that a the person amount of hands used. that have touched that the amount yes, that's of people it, that's who it. held that and I do think you know everybody leaves something like a trace of themselves behind I think it's a really interesting idea of these objects that last for so long yes so I love that idea that someone can mark an object like a particular piece of jewelry or something that they've owned that's been very personal to them that you can leave some kind of imprint on it um that's a wonderful idea yeah I love the you know and that's the thing you know people pass things down and they leave things to people and I think you know you see something like that in a museum and it just makes me think what where did it come from yes <laughs> who owned it how did they get from here to there and that's the thing with your books is you've always got the you know, the creepiness that underlies, but there's also something really poignant about these objects mm. coming to people, but are a bit twisted. Yes. <laughs> you just have to look at the thing and think, how could that be cursed? <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. I bet you look at everything now and you're like, hmm, that have a curse on it. I, I do, I really do. <laughs> it's fun. And I think you blend kind of the gothic and historical fiction. And I mean, with the horror, I've read historical fiction that's gothic and creepy, but not really horror. And I think it's done so well. And I'm very intrigued because your newest book, The Whispering Muse, is imminent. Congratulations. Very soon. I mean, I cannot wait, but tell me about The Whispering Muse. Okay, so The Whispering Muse is set in a Victorian theatre and it follows Jenny, who works in the costume department. Um, And she's been already <laughs> love the costume department <laughs> and so she's been sent to spy on upcoming actress Lilith Erickson who is dazzling London with her visceral um, performances um, but there's a there's a rumor that she's investigating that Lilith has made some kind of dark pact that lies behind her success um, and the more Jenny works with Lilith and comes to know her she starts to suspect there might be some truth in the rumour and that it's going to have some dire consequences, not only for Lilith, but for the entire theatre. Oh, gosh. I'm like, chills. Already, <laughs> I'm like, oh, also, I'd like to know how you get this dark pact for this success. So if there's yes. tips within the book for that. <laughs> yes, yes, you have to read the book. You have to read the book and come. <laughs> if I can figure it out. I love that. And again, I think, again, the theatre is something we go to for pleasure. The comfort, Ooh, something right. we enjoy and immediately as soon as you've got kind of like dark pacts or and I, I know you know like the circus is something that's always a little bit creepy whenever you've got people dressed up as someone else yeah. or it's always a little bit odd and mannequins and costumes are always creepy aren't they <laughs> they are they are and um you know there's a lot in the book about you know how you present yourself and and the person underneath 
the facade um and so costumes for me was perfect for that because as you could probably tell from the course you know I love fabrics I love oh, dresses yeah. um yeah and period costume is, is something I'm obsessed with um so it was it was using that idea of like theatre masks and and costumes to show you know how we can put up these images of ourselves that are very different to what what lies beneath um but yeah I've always been a huge fan of the theatre I used when I was when I was little I wanted to be an actress um but I as I was growing up I quickly realized that I had no control over my um voice my body or my facial expression <laughs> so that kind of went to the wall <laughs> not your natural calling it was not it was not um but I you know retained my love of the theatre and I did theatre studies at at school um for GCSE um you know loving loving plays uh, the text and the ideas of stage direction and effects so I was really able to pour my love for the theatre into this book and particularly my love of uh you know tragic plays and Shakespeare um they feature quite heavily yeah um and also my love for Phantom of the Opera, which I'm hoping comes through. Uh, I mean, that I was the love main... Phantom. <laughs> that was the main reason I wanted to set something in the theatre because I kind of wanted to do, um, you know, my own Phantom of the Opera because it's meant so much to me as a book, as a musical. Um, yeah, so it's a blend of, of many inspirations. <laughs> oh, I love that. Phantom was actually one of the first plays I ever went to see. Oh, and I remember being like mesmerized. Yeah. Like yeah. by it. And I've watched the film, I loved it. But there's something about seeing it live is unreal. Like so, so good. So you you've got me, you had me at theater. <laughs> then you said Phantom and I was all in. That was it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I'm, that's it. Like I already knew I was gonna love it. I don't know if I was kidding about like now I will definitely love it. What do you think it is that draws you to sort of the darker side of historical fiction? Um, I don't know, really. I mean, I guess I guess in doing research, I've just always come across some just really horrible things, like much worse than you think up. Uh, you know, particularly with say with the corset, um, there's a you know a horrible story sort of behind that. Um, but that was kind of come that came through my research of another book where I was just sort of researching the period and I came across these awful stories of dressmakers treated badly. Yeah. And I looked further into it and came across this horrific sort of abuse and murder of an apprentice and that that fed into it. Um, I think there's something just very scary about the past. Like, yeah. actually, I, you know, I do, I find it comforting in an escapist sense. Like, I love to watch my period dramas and read my Jane Austen novels and and have this image of the past. But, you know, actually, when you look at it, it's a very frightening time. We especially to us with our creature comforts um you know death is so much easier <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah it's sanitized it's lurking, yeah. yeah it's lurking around every corner yeah. um and just read so many things about people's lives that just make me me terrified um yeah and I think about how my life would be if I lived back then um well, firstly so many of my friends I would have lost to childbirth because yeah. I've had friends that have had difficult pregnancies and you know modern medicine has meant it's fine but they you know they would be gone um and actually I had an eating disorder as a teenager which um I was very ill with so I probably would have been in an asylum yes, <laughs> if I survived yeah, at all. yeah that's exactly the same for me yeah <laughs> you look at the past and you think wow um we have quite a quaint 
idea of it, I think, because of things like period dramas, because yeah. of the, you know, the lovely historical fiction that's out there. And that, that is lovely and comforting, but also, especially as a woman in the past. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> not so nice. And, you know, it's, it's really poignant. You said about, you know, I had a very, very difficult, two very difficult pregnancies and two very difficult childbirths. And that's something that actually my grandmother said to me, even for her, she was like, gosh, if I'd had that yeah, with your mum and your auntie, and you know, I know I think my grandma is ancient, but I'm like, that's not that long ago. Exactly, exactly. You think about it, you think, wow. Yeah. No, like her <laughs> mother, I mean, her mother gave birth to to twins. Nobody knew my great grandmother was pregnant. She hid her pregnancy and she gave birth to twins alone. Wow. But to be able to do that in those days was was madness. Yeah. It's unthinkable, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's I definitely think as a woman, and that's what I do love about your books, is it really does shine a light on women. Mm. as well and the things they're experiencing especially you know I found parts of the site companion really poignant as a mother you know some really difficult moments and I think you explore them really well and that's why I think it's intriguing that you're drawn to the kind of darker side of it because I yeah, think I away from it it's a big um it's a good way for me as well to sort of combine two of my loves like I've always been a bit of a sort of eclectic sort of person you know I'm, I'm a huge Disney fan you know I love a romance I love all these um soft things but I also love horror as well so I think in my writing I try and sort of combine my my love for, for horror and the gothic with my love for costume drama and happy yeah. romance and, and get a mesh because I, I feel there must be more people out there like me that Oh, I am absolutely, yeah, I'm absolutely, you know, I'm the kind of person who I will sit and watch Disney films and then (laughs) like a true crime, you know, documentary, you know, I I did a lot of one thing. No, I should be able to juggle both. And I love that your books, you know, your books do that. I love historical fiction, you know, Philippa Gregory and Alison Weir, and they were like my go-tos. But I do love gothic and I do love the darker stuff. So I'm very excited for the Whispering News. Oh, uh, I cannot wait. I keep seeing, I'm seeing it all over Instagram. Oh, Everybody God. is loving it. I'm sick with jealousy at the beautiful proofs <laughs> that are out just there. A few weeks, just a few weeks to go. <laughs> and I'm sure the finished version is going to be even more stunning. I have seen it because um, oh. I, I don't have my copy yet, but I went to sign some copies um, for Waterstones. Um, and yeah, it's lovely. And it feels so nice. Like, I don't know what they've put some soft touch thing into the cover or something, Ooh. but yeah, it's, it's really beautiful, elegant book. And when you touch it, it just feels lovely. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's going to do so, so well. Like, Thanks I just so. know it is. I'm <laughs> so excited to read it. And now we're going to dive in to your Ooh. novel evening. And from what you've told me about yourself <laughs> and your mixed loves I have no idea what to expect from you now could go either way <laughs> yeah I thought I came into this like oh we're gonna have historical figures and I'm like oh or murderers it could be, <laughs> it could be either or at this point um Freddy Krueger could turn up who knows never know. <laughs> never know so we'll start off firstly with where are you going to be going for your evening okay I've chosen Mandalay um from Daphne de Moray's Rebecca um I think it's a great place because it's in Cornwall which I love such a beautiful county it's by the sea it's got wonderful gardens um and it's it's sort of known as the old in the book you know as the ultimate party house sort of entertaining venue has these lavish amazing soirees I'm in Devon, so it's nice and close for me as well oh, are you in De- oh, I'm so jealous I love I'm, I'm looking out the window at the sea I'm very oh. very lucky <laughs> I take beautiful. it for granted 
but so, I can yeah. imagine, you know, Mandalay, I can imagine it, you know, spread out. You can get there easily. <laughs> I could get there very easily, perfectly. I just, a, you know, quick jaunt up the motorway <laughs> and I'm there at Mandalay. I mean, like you say, it's, it, for me, it's kind of the British version of the Gatsby Mansion, right? It's this it's beautiful... very true, yes. Yeah. And, and the wonderful thing about it as well is that, you know, as well as being this beautiful, wonderful house, it's got probably the ghost of Rebecca in it. So there's something a little bit eerie about it as well and a little bit. So it's beautiful, but with dark undertones. Perfect place for my novel evening, I think. There's a lot about Rebecca that does remind me of your work. There's a feel <laughs> that you can tell the, the inspirations that you've taken for sure. Because it's Sorry, about... it's a huge influence, yeah. Oh my goodness. It's about the beauty, isn't it? It's that beautiful, you know, everything is pristine and stunning, but there's something kind of, a bit dark underneath, a bit wrong. So <laughs> I'm excited to go to Mandalina and have a party and probably be freaked out a bit. Uh, I'm thinking they had the masked ball, didn't they, at Mandalay? So that would be great. Um, Mrs. Danvers will do all the work, so you won't need to prepare anything yourself. <laughs> no, 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 that sounds ideal. Okay, so we're there. We're going to get ready for our masked ball. Who's the first person who's going to arrive? Oh, the first person so I thought about my guest list and the reason I sort of chose Mandalay again because it had this unsettling end undertone is because most of the people I'm inviting to this party are dead <laughs> wonderful <laughs> but they're authors um so I grew up very much loving the classics um my teenage years were full of classic books and so most of my favorite authors are dead um and I'll never get the chance to meet them and it's very sad it is you know, when you think about it like that it's it it's is. awful so, you know for this for this ball I'm having you know I'm having Austin I'm having Dickens and the Brontes and Thomas Hardy and George Eliot um they're they're all coming so I don't know who's going to arrive first I don't really know who was more I, I think Jane Austen would be quite punctual I think I think be she'd be punctual she would I'd, be I'd, I'd let her in first she'd be the one I'd be most excited mm. to see and um, I think Hardy hasn't got far to come to get to Manly. No, no. Again, I used to live in Dorchester. I lived right by Max Gate. Um, so again, I can give him directions. It's a very easy travel for him. So he's going to be fairly close by in Dorset. So he'd probably arrive fairly, fairly swiftly. I and also, I mean, obviously I'd invite Demorier herself. So she's probably right on the doorstep. She'd already be there, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, that's be, right. You know, she'd be on it uh, for sure. I mean... The Brontes, I feel like they are not going to be on time. No. <laughs> no, they'd be off brooding and uh, lost in thought and uh, yeah, come a bit late. Something would happen with the carriage on the way. <laughs> something, there would be something, wouldn't there? So it's really interesting because I didn't really grow up with classics. Mm. Um, if I'm honest, I'm not a big classics fan. So I always find it interesting when I talk to people about their real love yeah for the classics especially as a teenager I don't know why I didn't read a ton when I was a teenager but I find it interesting when I meet because oh, as a teen I loved the classics what was it about the <laughs> classics that like drew you in so I started like I mentioned you know as a teenager I was very ill um and off school a lot due to my eating disorder so I was trying to sort of fill my time with some things that would like educate me because I wasn't at school so I thought okay I'll read some classic books um, and, and Shakespeare and things like that and, and just try and um, you know keep my brain ticking over but actually I found a, a real love and, and sort of escapism in going to the past in these classics um, and 
fell in easily because I think it's the language in some of the classics is quite difficult for teenagers to access sometimes but um because I you know I was there on my own and I had nothing else to do I uh I fell in love with that kind of um more floral way of of writing I suppose um and actually it's funny because I recently um went back and after lots and lots of modern reading and read um Far From the Madding Crowd by Thomas Hardy which was one that I hadn't read I'd read so many of his others but his most famous I hadn't got round to and you know when I went back into it I was like something felt very much like coming home with this physical way of of writing and the long sentences and the you know of more obscure words um yeah it it really captured me and I, I found a great escapism in that um and and then I sort of had a bit of a challenge to myself of of trying to read all the classics like I want to read this and read that. Yeah. And yeah, I I think it really opened up my mind and especially my vocabulary. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I've I've got a real a real love for them, and I, I think that's what they feel like to me now. They feel like, you know, comfy slippers, hot cocoa, coming home. It's beautiful as well because I think with classics, again. I've always kind of been under the impression that they're quite twee, they're quite quaint. Whereas actually a lot of the classics, much oh. like your books, yeah. they look like it on the surface, but when you delve a bit deeper, they're a little bit darker. So Absolutely. I do. Oh, I mean, Thomas I think... Hardy has just like ruined my life. <laughs> I, yeah, Thomas Hardy. Away. I read Tess not that long ago, actually with a friend and I was like, Wait a minute! I didn't know what this was about. I've been destroyed. Or wait till you get to Jude the Obscure. That's all I'm saying. Uh... The thing is, because obviously I say I went to school in Dorchester. Hardy, you know, it, that was all you ever heard about was Thomas yeah, Hardy and Hardy Country, and you know, so we we really were force fed quite a lot of Hardy. You can put you off at a young age, yeah. <laughs> but I, so I think because of that, I was I was like, oh, I don't want to read Hardy. Like, and then I read it, I was like, what? Oh, like he was really ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. Really, writing women. I was like, oh, okay. Well, this is the thing. Like, I mean, like, I mean, Dickens tried, God bless him, but some of his women come across as, uh, you know, he has got some interesting female characters, but you know, they're they're very much a Victorian man's interpretation of a woman. And how many women he socialized? With. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Whereas you get, you know, Thomas Hardy's. Uh, oh, they're so complex and. Um, fascinating and just he's just nailed so many things in his female characters um and especially because where he lived is you know so rural it's it's definitely not you know a metropolitan area he experienced you know he wasn't in london or bristol or he was really in the middle of nowhere with these ideas that must have been so out of the ordinary for men at that time in his little cottage in the woods well, the wonderful thing that he does, and this is something that, you know, has really been a lesson to me in Gothic fiction is, you know, the landscape is a character in its own right. And it's this thing, you know, that you have to treat with respect because it's kind of got a force of its own um, and, you know, can be malignant. Um, and that's something I really absorbed. And I feel, you know, I try to put into things in my novels, whether it's a, a landscape or a house uh, yes. particularly in the, the Silent Companions or a theatre, you know, I, I want, I learned from Hardy really the importance of setting and giving it its own personality. Oh, you absolutely get that. You absolutely do. You know, the house in The Silent Companions is a character. (laughs) That's right. It absolutely is. You know, I think, you know, Bone China, the setting is so... The sea, yeah. Yeah, you know, the caves and you you pick that up. 
And I did, you know, when I read Hardy, it's funny for me because I'm like, oh, I know that place. I recognize yeah. that. <laughs> oh, that's, but he really does treat it with affection. Mm. That's the important part of it. You know, it's the love and it definitely shines through in what you're writing. So I think they would have a lot to talk to you about. Your guests would be, I think, pretty impressed with your books as well. <laughs> the thing is, I would I would spend the whole evening fangirling. That's the thing. Oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe it's you. And uh you know, I've, I've obviously done that to a few living authors. Like you mentioned Philippa Gregory. I'm a big fan as well. And I, you know, I met her once to get my book signed and I was just like giddy. I read The embarrassing. Other Girl when I was 15. And I don't know why I came across it and I was like, I'm, and I swear it was probably my sexual awakening. At the yeah, you're life changing that book. I was I like, <laughs> Henry VIII, like, I'm sorry. And I devoured her books after that. And the thought of meeting her would just be, I mean, to be, I'm very lucky. I get to chat to, you You know, you at Karama Wood Hargrave. I sort of forgot how to speak. So I saw your, uh, and had a little look at your uh, backlist of, of interviewees and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I do write as well. I love to write. Uh, and I think it, you forget authors are people too. So, you know, That's all these right. people that you're inviting are just people and who most of them didn't have a great deal of success while they were alive <laughs> yes yes that's true so they'd look at me like I was mad and I was like yeah, oh my god it's you it's like what? <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> I love that so you've got your you know your classic authors are all coming is there anybody you really don't want to show up to your evening and that's a tough one that is a tough one I mean I'm a very welcoming person so I'm not very likely to ban anyone um I'm trying to think of any authors. Well, you know, it'd be difficult if Virginia Woolf turned up because she, <laughs> I've never read any Virginia Woolf. Um, and this was kind of a purposeful thing. And I feel bad because I should, I should, and I shouldn't hold a grudge. But she said really nasty things about Jane Austen, <laughs> who is my favourite author. So I'd read Austen first. You've taken up that grudge. Yep, I've taken up that beef. Um, <laughs> I read Austin first and then in, in like reading criticism of Austin came across all the things Virginia Woolf said about her and I was like well yeah. I'm not reading your books madam <laughs> and so that, that would be a bit awkward but you know she'd be welcome and yeah. to be honest I'm sure I would love her work if I actually got over I've myself I've never read any Virginia Woolf I can't I have friends who absolutely adore her writing adore her work I'm sure if I read it I probably would um again it's much the same as you I'm sure if I picked it up I'd be <laughs> yeah that's it that's it but will I ever get round to it I don't know um books. there's too many books in the world I mean it would be awkward but maybe her and Jane could sort their differences out maybe maybe and and also I mean it's going to be awkward with the Brontes as well because um I love Charlotte Bronte's work. I really love it. But I am furious at her for um, burning Emily's second manuscript. It's, I actually had a really weird dream in that I got to access a time machine. Um, and, and that was the thing that my subconscious decided to go back and change to stop. <laughs> of, you know, all the things my subconscious could have chosen. I could have, you know, prevented wars, but it, it chose... <laughs> To go yeah, back, World War Two worked out all right. Grab that know. manuscript before Charlotte Bronte <laughs> could burn it. You know, so it's, it's obviously a really has got on my yeah. psyche. <laughs> yeah, that's really gotten to you. I mean, it would be fast. I mean, you could ask then. You could say to Emily, "What, what was in it?" Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, so much. You know, uh, I, you know, I, I do believe we'll get the answers to questions in the afterlife, and I really hope that's one. That's one I get to. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love your reasons. I can picture everybody at Mandalay. 
everyone in their masked, you know, their outfits. <laughs> I think it would be a, an interesting evening. I think there will be some heated debates. Definitely, definitely. There'll and I think lots of questions, I think. All my my current, you know, friends, I'm lucky enough to, you know, have a lot of friends that are authors as you sort of work in the business, you meet a lot of people. And obviously they'd be very welcome to come as well and and quiz. I don't think you could stop them. Literally go, no, no. I <laughs> so yeah, some very interesting things will come up, I think. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. That was such a lovely evening. Um, and I think is really reflective of you as an author actually <laughs> it's really telling just from that evening uh where your inspirations lie for oh, sure wonderful. i wish we could do oh. it for real <laughs> <laughs> be, I, whenever people do this and i was like oh, wouldn't it be really like someone was like, like the shire and i was like oh that'd be oh, nice that would be amazing oh lovely uh, just to be able to go oh. to mandalay and hang out with <laughs> daphne and, and the crew just to be able to do that that's oh, the joy of the imagination right exactly that's the joy see that's the joy of being imaginative although you can never have what you dream up including <laughs> <That's> my machine <laughs> I, my dreams are insane so it's probably best i can't right. have any of them <laughs> for the best before i let you go and enjoy the rest of your day i have to ask if you're reading anything because i know you're getting back to writing yes i'm getting back um so i just i'm just coming back and i'm starting to do some events for the whispering muse um and it's great because it gives me the excuse to bump books to the top of my pile yes. so I'm doing events with different authors um so i've just started today a book that i've had i was lucky enough to get an early proof and it was published a year ago but i haven't got around to it until now <laughs> but i've just started to read the leviathan by rosie andrews because i'm doing an got event my with copy them. i haven't read either and i <laughs> it and I, it's still now you're reading it i'm like Purcell's reading Leviathan. I'm going to go and. That's it. So I've had an excuse to bump that one up. Um, along with what else am I going to be reading? Uh, Wayward. Um, a new novel that's coming out. It's. I have read that one. It. it, You will love it. It's amazing. Oh, brilliant! And what else am I bumping up? Oh yeah, now now she is witch by Kirsty Logan. Um, I've read Kirsty's work before and always loved it. Um, so yeah, so there's three authors I'm doing an event with, and I'm going to be reading their books. ASAP so that's a real treat oh my goodness and I hadn't heard of the last book and as soon as you said the title I was like oh hello <laughs> where do I get this from that sounds like a, I well, love I a bit of a witchy woman yeah later this month or the beginning of next so uh oh, seek exciting. it out amazing well thank you so much this well, is thank you for having me joy. no honestly it's a dream and um, oh. thank you for listening to me twitter on about how much I love your books <laughs> it's so lovely to hear thank you well I think you know imposter syndrome is a real thing and um you know I'm, I'm still convinced that I'm just bumbling along not knowing what I'm doing so that's made my day thank you Danny. Oh, <laughs> and everybody who either hasn't read Laura's work before get a copy firstly of the silent companions if you want to be this is the time to read it as well don't read it in July like I did <laughs> and read it on a creepy winter's evening and pre-order The Whispering Muse because it sounds absolutely epic and I can't wait. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you.